extend them to the Father if you really believe that your time is now, that your destiny is at hand. Come on, stretch those hands, open up your mouth right where you are, worshiping believers.
sing the 100th number of the song. And the word of God reads, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. I got to put a pin right there. For the Lord is good. His mercy, it is everlasting, and his truth, it endured to all generations. Pray with me this morning, church. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the privilege of coming into your house of worship, Father. Thank you, Father, for a brand new mercy, God, and a brand new grace, Father, that was not promised to me, Father. Thank you, God, for your finger of love that touched me this morning, that woke me up, Father. Thank you, Father, for your angels that encamped about us last night, Father. Thank you, Father, for the fathers and the dads that are in the room, God. We lift them up before you, God. We thank you for them, Father. I thank you, God, that they have provided for us all through our lives, God. And we give them into your hands, Father, and thank you for them, Father. Now, Father, we ask that you'd come in the room and have your way, Lord. Have your way in the service. Have your way with the singers. Have your way with the musician. Have your way with our pastor, Lord. Let your word go forth with power on today, Father. Let it convict. Let it convert. God, let it go out and do what you sent it out to do on today, Father. And we're going to be so careful to give your name the praise behind it, the glory and the honor, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the believer said, Amen. Amen. Again, greetings to each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We have come to worship God. If there be any visitors or guests among us, please know that you are always welcome here at St. John. If you desire salvation or church membership, please fill out the form found on the back of the pew in front of you. And once you have completed it, you can give it to the person at the front desk. You can give it to the usher. You can put the offering basket. But whatever you do, don't miss your day of beginnings. Amen. Amen. Now I see you're up. Are you ready to worship God with me today? Are you ready to worship? You already sitting down. Are you ready to worship God in this place? Are you ready to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Let us exalt His name together. Amen. Oh, come on and bless the Lord in this place. Come on and bless the Lord in this place. Why don't you open up your mouth and give God praise in this place? The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Then it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Anybody come to magnify the Lord on today? Here we go. Magnify the Lord. Clap your hands, rejoice and sing. 
Anybody know something about God's goodness and God's mercy toward us? Hallelujah. We come to offer praise to God on this day. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible. Acts chapter 16 about verse 25. Paul and Silas were in prison. They had been persecuted and thrown in prison. And although they were persecuted and in prison, they still had a praise. Because my Bible tells me at midnight, they begin to give God glory and begin to give God praise and God begin to break the chains and loose the hold. So we just come to offer up praise to God and we just come to encourage you that no matter what you're going through, whether it be good, whether it be bad, whether you're happy or you're sad, you ought to offer up a praise to God because he's still worthy. No matter what we're going through, he's still gonna get the glory. And we just come to offer up praise on today. Hallelujah. In your own way, why don't you go ahead and lift your hands and tell the Lord, thank you, God. We honor you in this place. Lord, we love you. And we lift our voices, God, to say thank you. And then they say, sing forth. And your mercy toward us. Sing it again. And your mercy toward us one more time. And your mercy toward us sing we. We offer praise. 
Hallelujah. Anybody come to worship with us on today? Why don't you help us lift up this song on today? Hallelujah. Let's take it from the top family. Sing, oh Lord. Sing and. Oh Lord. We bless your name. And we Hallelujah. Is it all right if we worship him on today? And your mercy toward us. I don't deserve it. God, I'm not worthy toward us. One more time. Oh, yeah. And your mercy toward me. We, we offer praise, hallelujah. The Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So if you have breath in your body, in your own way, give him glory. Honor him on today. Hallelujah. We bless your name. And we
Let's give God a big hand of praise for these praise singers. We want to acknowledge all of the fathers on today, like for all fathers to please stand. We want to say to every father, God bless you on this special day. And happy Father's Day to you. Let's give God a hand of praise for the fathers. being the case if you would stand with me there is an all-important word that's found in the gospel according to Luke Luke chapter 8 verses 41 and 42 Luke chapter 8, verses 41 and 42, and it reads something like this. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. A but as he went, the people thronged him. I need to teach, preach, message to title, entitled today, A Real Father. Let's repeat those three words, A Real Father. God bless you, and you may be seated. On Mother's Day, we preached about a real mother. Today on Father's Day, we need to preach about a real father. A real father is often difficult to find. Unfortunately, a lot of people do not see their father as being real. A young man was once sentenced to prison. The judge was familiar with this young man. He knew the young man because the judge was very familiar with his deceased father. His deceased father was a scholar. His deceased father was a lawyer who published a great um, exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trust. The judge asked the boy, do you remember your father? And then he asked the boy, what do you remember most about your father? There was a pause. When the boy finally answered, he said, my response is probably not going to be what you anticipate. He said, because my father and you were good friends. He said, but unfortunately, I had bad experiences with him. He was never there when I needed him. The judge dropped his head. The boy went further. 
He said, there were times when I would go to talk to my dad, and he'd say, run away because I'm working on this project. There was times when I needed compassion from my dad, and again, he would say, run away for I'm working on my project. The boy looked at the judge and said, your honor, you remember my dad, who was your friend, to be a great lawyer. He said, I remember him to be a negligent father because he was never there for me. The judge looked down and said, wow, he was a great lawyer, but he messed up and lost a great son. Even though many have unpleasant memories of their dad, Many others have pleasant memories of their dad. All fathers, for example, are not bad. So let's clear the air right now. Hey, man, some fathers are good. Some fathers are real. In Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 42, which is our sermonic text, Jesus had an encounter with a real father whose name was Jairus. In your Bible, I want you to notice in Luke chapter 8, verses 41 and 42. In verse 41, it says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Now remember that word Jairus. That name Jairus, it derives from a Hebrew, uh, from the Hebrew, which means uh, God enlightens. Everybody say, God enlightens. Uh, this man, Jairus, the Bible says, was a, uh, he was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, to be a ruler of the synagogue simply meant that they were, he was appointed by an elder to care for the physical arrangements uh, of the synagogue services. The Bible says in the big portion of verse 41, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. Take note when it says he fell down because he fell down at the feet of Jesus, which does uh, uh, indicate it, it. It indicates that, that the man recognized that Jesus was worthy to be honored. And he besought him to come into his house. And you want to underline that part because we're going to see later he did come. It's in verse 42 where it says, for he had one only daughter. We would say only one daughter, and this daughter was uh, 12 years, about 12 years of age. Uh, unfortunately, we learn in verse, verse 42, she was deathly ill. She was dying. Parenthetically, we learn at the end of verse 42 that people were uh, thronging. They were touching Jesus on every hand. For in verses 43 through 48, we see where there was a woman who had an issue of blood. Now, understand this, my beloved. Again, in verses 41 to 42, we have a situation where Jesus is actually confronted by a man named Jairus. Now, uh, in uh, verses 43 through 48, uh, Jesus is going to digress for a moment. For the Bible says he's going to, but we're going to learn that he's going to heal a woman who had an issue of blood. That woman had that issue for not one week, but for 12 years. So 12 is significant in our text because we have a, a, a girl now who is 
dying at the age of 12. And then we have a woman who is sick, and she's been sick for 12 years. So let's just look at it again. Verses 41 to 42, Jesus is confronted. He has an encounter with Jairus. In verses 43 through 48, Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood. Verses 49 through 56, which we need, to go, we need to deal with here, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. So the last time we heard in verses 41 and 42 that the man's daughter was deathly ill. I'm giving you a preview of the story. When I say he healed her, he raised her from the dead, that in itself suggests that she did die. Well, you need to see it for yourself in your Bible. In verse 49, go down there. It says, and while he yet spake. That's interesting. Because again, in verses 41 and 42, you would, I mean, it could have easily been a continuation right into what we're going to read in verse 49. But I won't say he was distracted, but he had another situation to deal with. And that was a woman with the issue of blood. And while he's talking to this lady, he's making sure she understands her healing because he's letting her know, uh, uh, you are healed, uh, but it's not because you touched the hem of my garment. He made it clear to her, thy faith has made you whole. Now in verse 49, it says, while he yet spake, while he was uh, talking to this woman, we see in verse 49, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's House. So a representative from Jairus' house is now approaching Jesus. And this individual has uh, made an announcement that Jairus uh, probably did not really want to hear. And the announcement is, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. No needing bothering him. Now, this man who came from Jairus' house obviously did not know a lot about Jesus because, first of all, uh, he, uh, Jairus was not bothering Jesus. But in addition to that, what he does not realize is that even though Jairus has Jesus' attention, he didn't realize that Jesus can do something about the problem. Was in verse 50. Are y'all still there with me? Where it says, but when Jesus heard it, uh, he answered him saying, and he's talking to Jairus. Uh, number one, he says, fear not. I'm about to do something that you have never seen, but I don't want you to be afraid. Number two, he says, believe only. And then number three, he's telling him what's going to happen. He said, she shall be made whole. Maybe those words of Jesus are helpful to somebody today. Maybe somebody right now, you faced with something that's causing fear in, in your life. And I think recently we preached about how God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, hear this. Uh, parallel with that, Jesus is saying, fear not. Jesus is saying to people right now, you have no reason to be afraid. He said, but believe only. And when he says believe only, that cannot be simultaneous with any doubt. Perhaps the reason why we're not as effective in exercising our faith is because our faith is uh, polluted with doubt. And any time our faith is polluted with doubt, it's not really a real faith. It's definitely not a strong faith. Can I teach preach up in here? 
Jesus said, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Go with me. Verse 51. And uh, verse 51, it says, and, and when he came into the house. Now, that's significant, verse 51. Because you do remember that it was the man's request in verse 41 when he said that he, he, said, uh, he besought him that he would come into his house. And now we see in verse 51, and when he came into the house. How does that translate for us? We ask God to do something, and when we ask, whatever we ask, and when it's according to the will of God, he will do it. Jairus' request was, come to my house. What did Jesus do? He came to his house. I believe there's somebody in here. You have made a request, and you said, Lord, save me. What did he do? He saved you. Lord, heal me. What did he do? He healed you. Lord, deliver me. What did he do? He delivered you. Lord, bless me. What did he do? He blessed you. Who am I talking to up in here? When he came into the house, the Bible says he suffered no man to go in, meaning Jesus did not allow any of the people that was with him to go into a house with him other than Peter, James, and John. So only three of the twelve, and then also the girl's parents, her father and mother. When he entered into the house, now even though Jesus is not allowing others to go with them other than Peter, James, and John, the girl's parents, there were a lot of other people already in the house. Because you got to remember one of the individuals who apparently was in the house came and brought the news to Jesus, uh, uh, to Jairus, that his daughter had died. Well, we look at verse 52 and it says, all wept. And, and you know what, when I read this text, I underlined that word wept. Because I'm going to see something else in verse 53. It says, and all wept. Uh, they're crying. They, they bewailed her. Uh, uh, but this is what Jesus said. He says, weep not. He told these individuals, stop crying. Because she's not dead, but sleepeth. Watch that word sleepeth. When it's in uh, conjunction with the word death, when it's uh, synonymous with the word death, because sleepeth refers to believers only. In the Bible, in the New Testament, you don't hear of an unbeliever dying and the Bible saying they sleep. But in the New Testament, when you hear of a believer dying, you often hear sleep because we rest from our labors. And the Bible says our works follow us. Somebody put some hands together. <laughs> it's in verse 53. There's another word I underlined, and is, that is, and they laughed. Actually, they laughed him to scorn. They're laughing because they're convinced she's dead, but Jesus says she's not dead, but she's sleeping, and they're laughing. But in this case, guess what? Look who they're laughing at. They're laughing at Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, the wrong one. <laughs> they're laughing at Jesus, but I underline laugh because it's in verse 52 where they wept. And just that quickly, now they're laughing. 
How can people go from crying, from weeping so quickly to laughing? I mean, I mean when I, I became, I tried to become a little analytical about this, it made me question the sincerity of their weeping. I mean, if you're that disturbed and you're crying and, and, and Jesus can make one statement and, and, and cause you to stop crying instantly and start laughing, those emotions, that just doesn't flow with me. Uh, yeah, let me just say it the way I, I look at it. You know, I, I have a way of, of dealing with people. I recognize that uh, people, when you're dealing with people, uh, all people, People are not necessarily good. So, so here's how Kevin Hall sometimes looks at, not all people, but uh, quite a bit of people. Uh, I, I just look at a lot of people as being a trip, you know. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and as long as when I can recognize, you know, you know people are a trip. Um, that way, they don't hurt me. They don't surprise me by some of the things that they do. I'm saying this to you because you and I, we can't put a lot of stock in people. Don't get so happy because people are smiling in your face. Y'all know that song. They'll stab you right in the back. Folk can be so hypocritical, they'll look you in the eye and tell you how good you look and, and turn right around somebody. Girl, you, look what, you see what she got on? We laughing, but guess what? Some of them folk go to church. Let me leave that alone. <laughs> the folk are crying in verse 52, and now in verse 53, they laughing. I don't think I'm out of order when I say they're trapped. <laughs> it's in verse uh, 54. Go there with me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in admiration of Jesus. I mean, since this is Father's Day, I want, I want all fathers to look at the strength of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, I mean, in his earthly life, he was a real man. He didn't tolerate any foolishness. And hear this, I say, I say this, and I still believe it deep in my heart. There's a lot of strong women here, a lot of strong women in this world. But even strong women respect a strong man. And I want men to hear this. Those same strong women, they'll test a man. They'll test you. And if they, once they, dis if they discover that you're weak, they will treat you like you're weak. <laughs> but when they discover that you're strong, you will get respect from them. Hear this. They might holler. They might do what women do. But you'll have their respect. Come on, put some hands together. Well, I'm going there because I see strength in Jesus. We got some people in the house that's a distraction. I'm talking about in our text. Jesus did not entertain their foolishness. But look at the strength of Jesus. The Bible says, somebody shout the Bible. The Bible says in verse 54, and he put them all out. You know, I, I came up, up under those kind of people, those kind of adults. Fact of the matter, guess what? Um, my parents were like that. 
Parents love, my parents loved their children tremendously, but guess what? Especially when we became of age, they would let us know. You don't buy by the rules and regulations of this house. In case we didn't know, they would, they would, show, they would point, they'd show us where that dough is. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on now, come on, come on. And, and as children, we didn't look at it as though they didn't care about us. We didn't look at it as though they didn't love us. We just recognized that they meant business. Because even though we were, uh, some of us were even of age, meaning past 18 and perhaps still in the house, hey, hear this, uh, it, it, I don't care how old you were, if you were under the rules, uh, if you were, excuse me, under the roof of your parents, uh, you had to abide by their rules uh, and regulations. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about here? So in case you think those parents were being a little harsh, I need you to look at Jesus right now because Jesus didn't mess around. He put them all out. Let me say something to you. Um, earlier I said people can be a trip. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. Sometimes there's some problems and pain that exists in our lives because of certain people. Which means that as long as those certain people are in our lives, we're going to live with those problems or that pain. So this is what logic says. In order to eliminate those problems and that pain, you got to get rid of certain people. Y'all didn't hear that one. Some people just need to, to go. <sighs> Some people, when they become toxic, they just need to go. God, that, that's, that, God wants you to live. God wants you to be happy. And, and God didn't put you here to be abused. God didn't put you here to be beat around. Oh, Y'all don't hear what I'm saying today. Bible says he put them all out, took her by the hand and, and called her and saying, maid, meaning girl, get up, arise. And, and, and all Jesus had to speak was uh, that one word, arise. Now he had to direct it to the maid, because, uh, and when you say maid, meaning not the maid like we look at a house cleaner, but this is, signif this is uh, signifying a young girl. He had to say to her, meaning, when you say maid, he's talking about you young girl. He had to say that because if he would have just said arise, everybody in the grave would have been arising. <laughs> so, he, 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 so he's not, he said, now I'm, I'm not talking to all you folk in the Old Testament who's resting in the Lord. I'm just talking about her right here. <laughs> Come on, put some hands together for a little humor, but reality. All Jesus had to say to her was, get up, arise. And I want y'all to see what happened. In verse 55, it's right there. Her spirit came again. So when believers die, you know, our spirit, our soul is detached from this body. Well, the spirit that uh, was obviously in the presence of the Lord, it reunited with her body again. And guess what happened then? It says she arose straight forth, meaning immediately she got up. 
Her spirit did not come automatically. She didn't just get up automatically. It all happened because Jesus said, arise. I want y'all to hear something. All Jesus has to do is speak one word. He doesn't have to say a whole lot. All he got to do is say one thing and something's going to happen. In this case, he said one thing. He just said, get up. He said, arise. And what happened? Her spirit returned to her. She arose straight forward, I mean, straight away. And, 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 and then Jesus told, uh, told, told the parents, now y'all give her something to eat. <laughs> when it says he commanded to give her meat, meaning give her something to eat. I, I need us to understand something. A lot of times in churches, uh, we focus, which we're supposed to, on feeding people spiritually, but we need to also recognize people need to also be fed physically. And with that, I, I need to take this moment to commend St. John because, uh, let's see, about 2020. So we're talking about, about three years ago. In the, in the heat of the pandemic, when people didn't want to touch and, and all of that, you couldn't be, I mean, we're supposed to be sheltered in place. We had some faithful people here at this church when we began our grocery giveaway ministry. And there's people who put their lives on the line serving people. Those individuals here, does that grocery ministry, it was, it, it, it was developed in the midst of the pandemic, but guess what? Every Tuesday, it's still happening, and we've never had to beg for any money because guess what? All of you finances, and y'all know how expensive groceries are. Those individuals who's working, they're to be commended, but as a congregation, you're to be commended because every week, every Tuesday, well, every Tuesday, over 100 groceries are being, bags of groceries are being distributed to the people in the community. Come on and give God some praise on that. <laughs> Jesus said, y'all give, uh, he told them, now y'all give her something to eat. Her parents, I'm in my last verse. Look at somebody said the last verse. <laughs> Her, her parents were amazed. They were astonished. And then Jesus charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Theologically, I want y'all to get this. This is known as the messianic secret. The messianic secret is a concept that's, uh, that's theological, but it has a biblical meaning. So when you say the messianic secret, what does that mean? Those are the times when Jesus would do something, and then after doing it, he would tell the people who he blessed, don't tell anybody. Now understand the, the, the rationale behind mess, the messianic secret. Jesus would say, Jesus would do something great, and then say, don't tell anybody. The reason why, because he knew that too much publicity would cause him to have to go to the cross before his time. But I find it interesting, Jesus, would, he, he told them in those days, don't tell anybody, but they end up telling everybody. And then in these days, he tells us to tell everybody, but we end up telling nobody. <laughs> I, I don't want to upset y'all, but I think you can understand how I came up with that concept. People are a trip, but let's leave that alone. <laughs> Let me, let me sum it up with this. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead because she had a real father who brought her case to Jesus. If you've understood every, because I need to transition from those days to making it alive for these days. If you've understood everything I've said so far, go ahead and show it by putting your hands together.
everyone deserves a real father. And for those of you taking notes, that's the key idea for today's message. So repeat that, everyone. Everyone deserves a real father. And if y'all could stay with me to the conclusion, I will help you with a real father that's beyond here. And I think y'all know where I'm going with that. But let's consider three qualities of a real father. First of all, a real father provides. All over the sanctuary, let me hear y'all say, provides. We can infer from our text that Jairus was a real father who provided for his family. Jairus, his wife, and his daughter, they, hear this, they were a family who lived in a house. That indicates that Jairus was a provider. I want all the fathers to listen to me because we had a lot of fathers raised their hand and you stood uh, indicating that you are a father. I, I need you to hear me because it's more to being a father than just making a baby. Somebody ought to join me and put some hands together. Yeah. Fathers, catch me now, catch me because I'm going somewhere with this. Fathers were created to be providers more than to be receivers. Say with me now. I'll say it again. As fathers, we were created to be providers more so than receivers. I'm going there because this is what I'm going to say now. Apparently, a lot of men today are not aware of this. So I need everybody in here to hear this. I'm going to say it again. Fathers were created to be providers more than receivers. And now I'm coming back saying, a lot of men are not aware of this. Why do you say that? Because it seems like a lot of men today believe that they were created for a woman to provide for them. Now I'm saying that fathers were created to be providers. But we got a lot of men today who think, no, God made that woman to provide for me. For me, for me. <laughs> but this is where it gets even worse. Unfortunately, somebody just say unfortunately. You have a lot of women who are making matters worse by taking care of these types of men. Come on, come on, y'all can clap. Even if you're guilty, you can clap. <laughs> it's bad enough to have men thinking they were created, they're God's gift, and women are supposed to take care of them. And then you got women who make it worse by doing what? Actually taking care of them, providing for them. No offense, but there's some women who would do anything just to have a man. Now, I'm not trying to be offensive, but you know, I, I have a thing that I often say, and, and, and it's real for me. I'd rather be with no one than the wrong one. That's real for me. And then here's something I hear a lot of you ladies say, and you need to stand on it. I hear a lot of you ladies say, you can be broke all by yourself. Now, let's get out of that. Let's get out of this nest. 
A real father provides unconditionally. Everybody say unconditionally. Look at somebody and say, no strings attached. Uh, he's going to take care of his family whether uh, they appreciate it or not. Of course, being appreciated motivates him to provide even more because a real father uh, is similar to our heavenly father. We love to hear those words, thank you. My, my grandchildren, uh, Kalea and Kaylin, they came into my, knocked on my door, came in my office just before this service, uh, and they come hugging me, and all the hugs were good, and then they handed me a nice Father's Day gift. All right. That's their way. That's their way of showing love, and guess what? I and, mean, of course, I'm thankful. <laughs> a real father is not forced by law to provide for his family. So even if the real father, hear this, and the family are not, him, and, and, and they're not together, hear this, no law has to make a real father do what he's supposed to do. No court should have to make a real father take care of his responsibilities. A real father will often provide more for his family than what the law even requires. He provides unconditionally because he's motivated not by the law, but he's motivated by love. A real father loves his family so much that he will pull off the clothes on, uh, from off his back and put it on his family if they, if they have that type of a need. Somebody shout out and say, a real father. Furthermore, a real father provides unselfishly. All over the church, everybody say unselfishly. Uh, he will do for his family before he does for himself. You've heard me share this, and I'll share it again because I, 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 it, was, it was real. You know, things that happened to us that were real, uh, we don't forget it, right? I was a young man. Both of my kids were adolescents. In those days, it was popular to be walking around with these Jordan shoes. My son and my daughter were wearing Jordan shoes. And they were joking on me one day because I was not wearing Jordan shoes. I had on some basic Nikes, but they weren't Jordans. They were laughing at me because I didn't have on Jordan's shoes. Oh, he there. He know the story. <laughs> he laughing already. He done heard it so many times, but he know it. Amen. They, they laughing at me because I don't have on these Jordans. But I stopped. I said, now, understand this. Neither one of you work. If I would have said it like my, grand, my granddad, neither one of you got a pot to, let me, let me leave you alone. <laughs> neither one of you work. And I, I made a, 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 he's looking, he know I'm telling this. I said, I said, God through me blessed you with them Jordans. And when God blessed me with that money to buy both of you Jordans, I could have bought them Jordans for myself. But instead, I bought you all Jordans and I bought some less significant or less expensive Nikes. They weren't Pumas, they were Nikes. They weren't Adidas, they were Nikes, they just weren't Jordans. I don't think y'all hear what I'm trying to say. The whole point I'm making is that a real father will put his family before himself. 
And I know that lesson has been received well because my son now is just like me. Uh, he takes care of his, his family before he takes care of himself. Come on, and let's put some hands together. Let's put, come on now. I'm dealing with this because I do have a problem with fathers as well as some mothers who can look so good, who can dress so nicely. Gator shoes, red bottoms. Come on and talk back to me. But then have children looking like they're orphans. I got a problem with that. It ain't my business, but I got a problem with it. Because if you are a parent, you, 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 you are a dad, you are a mama, and here you looking good, but your children looking like they're not kept, they're not cared for, that's a reflection on you as a dad. That's a reflection on you as a mama. Y'all might not want to say man. You might not want to clap, but I know I'm telling the truth. Father, how can you eat in expensive restaurants? And got a family at home hungry. Pastor, you better get all of this before they chase you out of here. Again, a real father is unselfish. He will take care of his family before he takes care of himself. He realizes that when he takes care of his family, he is actually taking care of himself. He delights in providing for the needs of his family. I got to get out of this hole right here. Amen. But uh, if you got it so far, if you're in agreement, put some hands together. <sighs> if, 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 I was, if I was preaching back in the day with them older saints, they'd be shouting out, waving things, saying, tell it like it is. Amen. <laughs> secondly, secondly, a real father protects. He not only provides, but he protects. Everybody say protects. We can infer from that Jairus was a, a real father who protected his family. Although he was a, a ruler of the synagogue, uh, he protected his wife and his daughter. Because of so much crime, people, uh, here there's many believe that, that people in the United States are not safe. I mean, right in the city that's adjacent to us, our neighbor, the city of Oakland is listed among the top 10 most dangerous cities in America. That's our neighbor. But don't you stick your chest out because it was just recently that Richmond was high on that list. Not off the list yet, but high on the list. But because many of us prayed to, to, to turn the city, uh, make this city a city of crime into a city of Christ, amen, amen, we have, it's a better place to live. Give God some glory, somebody. People, because people are not safe, protection is needed. Look at somebody and say, protection is needed. When it comes to families, God has called fathers to be protectors. I want every father in here to hear this. God has called you to be a protector. If something happens, it's not for you. You hear some noise and the wife go check and you walking behind the wife. <laughs> that woke up somebody. Strange sound in the house. The wife gets up. She got a bat and everything. She walking with her husband. He walking behind her. Y'all can laugh. It's all right. 
simply put, a major responsibility of a father is to protect his family. A real father protects his family spiritually. He recognizes that we are in a spiritual warfare. Uh, um, um, hear this. A major way to defeat Satan is by the word. A real father keeps his family safe by constantly combating the devil with the word. You do remember Jesus. Uh, uh, he, when he encountered Satan, uh, he defied him with the word. Moreover, a real father protects his family physically. I want y'all to hear me. Even though he is saved, he will fight physically if he has to. Oh, yes. I mean, if the battle calls for a spiritual punch, he, he knows how to throw a spiritual punch. But if it calls for a physical punch, he's saved. But don't you mess with his family. I need some brothers to help me right now. I mean, no, really, I need some saved men right now. Whether you're a preacher, whether you're a deacon, whatever, you saved, you sanctified, you're filled with the hell, holy, oh, with the Holy Ghost. Hear this. You're not going to let anybody mess with your family. Come on, talk back to me, somebody. You mess with his family, you might see how he can raise his hand. And don't mess with him too much because you might see what's in that hand. Come on. <laughs> God will empower a real father to protect his family. So I want every real father to hear this. When it comes to protecting your, your family, God is on your side. Since God is pro-family, he will empower a real father to protect his family. When God is on our side, we know we're going to be, be, be victorious because we recognize if, if God be for us, who can be against us? So fathers, hear this. Provide. Protect. But let me drop one more in your lap, Father. You got to pray. A real father prays. That's the third and last point. Everybody say praise. We see in our sermonic text that Jairus was a real father. He prayed for his family. What do you think happened when he fell at Jesus' feet and he, was besought, he besought him that he would come to his house? He's praying to Jesus, come to my house. A real father prays because he's a believer. Because he's a believer, his children are more apt to become believers. I, I read something that really caught my attention. And I want every woman to hear this. Uh, you are a great, you're great women. You're great, and especially the women who had to play the role of a mama and daddy. You're great. God used you. But hear this, women, as good as you are, you still cannot be the father. One startling bit of research I found was true. It says when a real father is an active believer, there is about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers. However, if only the mother is a believer, this likelihood dramatically reduces to 15%. So this is saying to fathers... We have a major influence. We make a major impact on our children, even when it comes to salvation. And a lot of us as men who are saved today, we were blessed with a godly mother, but also we were blessed with a godly father. Put some hands together, somebody. A real father prays without ceasing. Yeah, you heard Jesus say in Luke 18 and 1, uh, uh, pray. Uh, uh, he said, men, uh, men, men, I have to always pray and not faint. Uh, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, 
pray without ceasing. Uh, fathers, hear this. Uh, we have to stay on uh, our bending knees. Uh, uh, a real father's constantly praying. Uh, at the rising of the sun, we're praying. Uh, and then when, even in the down setting, uh, we don't stop praying. A real father prays when the going gets tough. In our text, uh, when the going got tough, Jairus, a real father, brought his child to Jesus. Uh, hear this, fathers. Uh, there comes matters. Uh, there comes times. Uh, there comes situations uh, when we got to literally just bring our children to Jesus. And I want to say to every parent here, whether you be a father or a mother, you need to constantly keep your children before Jesus. Because there are some things that Jesus can do that you cannot do. Even today, both of my kids are grown, but guess what? I keep them before the Lord. Every morning, I intercede for them. I intercede for their children. I keep them covered with prayer. I need fathers to understand that is your responsibility to cover your children with prayer. Even if you don't see them or talk to them every day, every day you ought to be talking about them to the Lord, talking to the Lord on their behalf. Somebody ought to put some more hands. It is often said when the going gets tough, the tough get going. The best way for the tough to get going is through prayer. Prayer will make you tough. Whether you're a father or not, how many of you can amen that, that prayer will make you tough? I mean, really, how many of you right now, you can really say that I used to be a certain way, which was a weaker, a more docile, but now I'm much tougher, and a lot of it is because of prayer. If you feel too weak to handle a situation, I say try prayer. It's amazing what prayer will do. That's a whole nother subject. Uh, that's a whole nother sermon. But I tell you, I can shout right now when I say it's amazing what prayer will do. How many of you know without me trying to hoop it, without me trying to holler it? How many of you already know it's amazing what prayer will do? Why don't y'all put some more hands together? I need to conclude right now. I can't conclude unless you got it. If you've understood, if your minds were flexible enough to receive, ascertain what has been said, go ahead and put some more hands together. Praise God for your mind. Today's message is entitled, A Real Father. Everybody say, A Real Father. In our text, Luke 8, 41 through 42, we learned about a real father named Jairus who brought his daughter's case to Jesus. I don't want to tell I'm just taking for granted. Everybody know, know to say Jairus. Some of you say Jairus. Everybody go ahead and say Jairus. All right, Jesus brought this real father's daughter back to life. The key idea for today's message is everyone deserves a real father. We consider three qualities of a real father. First of all, a real father what? Secondly, a real father what? And then thirdly, a real father would. Y'all got it good. Go ahead and put some more hands together. This world has declared today to be Father's Day. As believers, now I said the world has declared today to be Father's Day. As believers, we have a message to declare to the world, and that deacon already said it. 
we celebrate Father's Day every day. <laughs> every day. But let me make it clear, because some of y'all not clapping. Amen. Let me make it clear. Every day is our Heavenly Father's Day. Therefore, nobody needs to feel sad today if you do not have a real father on earth. Our heavenly father desires each of us to be his child, and we cannot be his child unless we are born again. We got to believe that Jesus was crucified on a cross called Calvary. We got to believe that he was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days and three nights. We got to believe that he got up early one Sunday morning with all power in heaven and in earth. If you can believe that, you can believe in the gospel. Praise God for your belief. On this National Father's Day, we should acknowledge our earthly fathers. However, somebody shout out, however. More importantly, we should acknowledge our heavenly father. If I don't say anything else, I, I need to say it again. And if, if, if you're in agreement, you can show it when you, by clapping your hands. I said, uh, we should acknowledge our, our heavenly father. A few of you are still not with me, so let me break it down. Our earthly father is a, cre is a creature, but our heavenly father is the creator. Our earthly father is with a beginning. But our Heavenly Father is without a beginning. Our earthly Father is temporal, uh, but our Heavenly Father is uh, eternal. Our earthly Father is within time, but our Heavenly Father is beyond time. Our earthly Father is mortal, but our Heavenly Father is immortal. Our earthly Father is somewhere, but our Heavenly Father is everywhere. Our earthly Father is often wise, but our Heavenly Father is all wise. Our earthly Father is powerful. But our Heavenly Father is all-powerful. Our earthly Father is limited. But our Heavenly Father is unlimited. Our earthly Father is flawed. But our Heavenly Father is flawless. Our earthly Father is always waiting. But our Heavenly Father is always waiting for us. Our earthly Father is often persistent. But our Heavenly Father is patient. Our earthly Father is often heartbroken. But our earthly Father, Heavenly Father, He is a heart fixer. Our earthly Father uh, is often burdened, but our Heavenly Father is a burden bearer. Our earthly Father is good some of the time, but our Heavenly Father is good all of the time. I have been a pastor of this church for 29 years because God is a real father. One thing I have learned while on this journey is God knows just how much we can bear. I love the song that says we are our heavenly father's children. And we all know that he loves us one and all. Yet there are times when we find we answer 
another's voice and call. If we are willing, he will teach us his voice only to obey no matter where. Think of the times. You've asked the question down in your heart. Now just what shall I do? Then you confide in your friends and loved ones. But they have troubles too. There is a God who rules earth and heaven. In him there's relief from every pain or care. Though the load gets heavy. Anybody's load is heavy. But though the load gets heavy, you never left alone to bear it all. Just ask for strength and keep on toiling. Though the teardrops fall, you have the joy of this assurance. The Heavenly Father will always answer prayer. Why? Because he knows. Yes, he knows just how much we can bear. Come on and put some hands together. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he knows. Anybody else in here glad that he knows? When nobody else knows, guess what? He knows. He knows just how much we can bear because he knows I don't have to worry because he knows I don't have to fret because he knows I don't have to panic because he knows I don't have to stress because he knows I don't have to figure it out. I'm so glad that he knows just how much I can bear. So my final statement is as follows. He knows just how much we can bear because he is a real father. God bless you, everybody. Father, we thank you for being a real father. But there are some here and some abroad who do not know you as a real father. Our prayer is that they will get to know you as a real father. So we pray for their salvation. And then we pray for others who are saved but wandering in the wilderness. We pray for people under the sound of my voice who know you but need a church home. Touch, Lord. In the name of Jesus, touch. We come in prayer for individuals and those of us who are about to present your tithes and our offerings. We pray that they be acceptable in thy sight. We come in prayer. We're praying that when we depart from this place, that we're blessed, be blessed with you abiding with us continuously. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and we say amen. Your eyes are still closed. Those of you listening, whether you're here in person or viewing by way of streaming, you have a great opportunity right now to respond to an invitation that God is giving you. You can be saved. You don't have to die and go to hell. 
Or if you're already saved, you don't have to wander another day in the wilderness. You can have a church home. And I tell you, this is a good place. A place where people are not perfect, but on our way to heaven. If you're here and you are not saved but want to be saved, or you are saved and you would like to make St. John your church home, you may raise your hand. Or there's a form that's behind that pew in front of you. Fill that out as many prefer to do. After filling it out, put it in the offering basket, give it to an usher or someone at the front desk, and we will respond promptly to you. Those of you online, click that link, fill it out, hand deliver it, mail it, submit it electronically, and we will respond to you as well. Your eyes are open. If you were blessed by the teaching and the preaching of the word, go ahead and bless God. Well, let me say this. We want to acknowledge the fact of Juneteenth Day. We commend those parishioners of St. John who um, were uh, representing our church, and you were out there yesterday. Because of Juneteenth, hear this, we're going to acknowledge it as a church. Tomorrow, um, the administration building will be closed in observance of Juneteenth Day. Come on and put some hands together on that. <laughs> Concerning the grocery giveaway, help is needed on Mondays for the preparation of these groceries. So sign, you can sign up electronically through the website at sjmbc.org. 2023 scholarships are available for graduates. See Minister Peggy Alexander. You need to take care of this by June the 30th of this month. If interested in receiving recognition from our church, young people, young people who are members of this church graduating from high school that will be attending college or vocational school may qualify for Scholarship applications are available at the North Campus, South Campus, and the Administration Building. Also, applications are available and can be completed online. If you would like to give towards the scholarship, you can do so in person, mail, or online, again, at sjmbc.org. We're in prayer for Sister Cynthia Eisen, husband. Funeral will be Friday. It's Friday, June the 23rd, 11 o'clock at the Wilson and Crescent Mortuary in Richmond. We're in prayer for Sister Dorothy Wasden Ward. Her husband, Bishop Aaron Ward, who was a member of our church, went home to be with the Lord. Homegoing celebration scheduled for Thursday, June the 29th at 11 o'clock here at the South Campus. The viewing will be that prior, previous day, which would be that Wednesday, I believe from 12 to 3 at the Wilson and Kratzen Mortuary. I said all of us, we should live each day as though it's our last day. Uh, my heart was very heavy to hear on last week one of my very good friends, pastor who has preached at this church, pastor who um, has served as a facilitator on various occasions for our, our men's retreat. My beloved friend, Pastor Larry Ellis went home to be with the Lord. And um, he was the pastor of the Pilgrim Baptist Church, which was then in San Mateo there in Castle Valley now. He's preached here. He preached one of our 
last church anniversaries, but um, he went home to be with the Lord, and we're touched by this. He was my good friend. He was one of the few people that um, I would confide in, so um, we were, we want to pray for that family. Amen. It's interesting how time goes. He and I so often would talk about retirement. God blessed him to retire last September. He put a lot of preparation into retiring financially, and unfortunately, he didn't live but about nine months after the retirement. But we're praying for um, that family. Come on to say amen, somebody. All right. June is Pastor Edification Month. There ever was a time that people need to lift their pastors up in prayer. These times are now, because trust me, when I talk to all of my peers, um, it's a lot of stress. Not only are a lot of us dying, um, we're resigning, we're retiring. Um, it's, it's very difficult pastoring in this post-pandemic, because in most cases, our, our people have not returned to church in person. And, and in many cases, as some are predicting, it'll never be the same. So um, a lot of pastors are just really stressing, and I'll be honest, a lot of times um, I stress with it, um, but I also know how to turn it over to the Lord. Well, if God is willing, on Thursday, we, the choir needs to rehearse because uh, the choir, Thursday at 7 o'clock, you need to rehearse because um, the choir will be singing next Sunday morning. In the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock worship celebrations, we're going to have guest pastors preaching. Both of them are inspirational preachers, so one will preach in the nine, over at the North Campus and another will preach here in the South Campus on next Sunday to, to help us celebrate these 29 years that the Lord has kept me here. And really, um, it's amazing because there were many who predicted that I would only last five years. Some of them are not alive today, but by the grace of God, I'm still standing and it's been 29 years. Amen. With that being said, this wonderful young lady, if you'd come, amen, praise God. Um, and we tried to choose some people who don't ordinarily speak, so this is one of her first times probably standing here publicly, so we're not going to be critical, we're going to embrace her with some love, amen. And everybody should embrace her, because some of you who don't usually speak, you might be up here soon, amen. <laughs> All right, go ahead, my sister. Good afternoon, and happy Father's Day. I stand to share words of recognition and appreciation of our pastor, Dr. Kevin B. Hall, for his 29 years of devoted service to the congregation of our churches. Our church life is vital to us, that by having a pastor who is steadfast and unwavering in his faith, we know that the word of God is being brought and taught to us each and every Sunday. Over the past 29 years, through Pastor Hall's vision, we have completed the enhancement of our church buildings, acquiring the North Campus and administrative building. In addition, we look forward to the completion of our new life center. Pastor Hall brings such inspiration, inspirational and spirit-filled messages. We are touched by it in a way that it is food for our soul. In closing, we offer our love, appreciation, and admiration for you today Thank and you. always. Praise God. Come on, we can clap better than that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you. 
I enjoy those edifications. 29 here, 7 in San Francisco. That gives me 36. I'm trying hard to hit that 40. Amen. Come on, my brother. Yes. I want to hear from this very fine deacon, and then we're going to prepare to give, and then we'll be dismissed. Go ahead. Good afternoon, St. John. Today and all through June is Pastor's Edification Day. And what that means, and you've heard it, and you've just been blessed with the pastor, with the word, is we need to show him and build him up and lift him up with edification. And what that means is for his dedicated 29 years of service. And you heard all the nice words. Yes, he's led us through building projects, multi-million dollar projects. But that's not all. He teaches and preaches biblically-based word. And you're so blessed, all of us, to have someone who breaks down the word and teaches us with knowledge and understanding. So, but that's not all. We're blessed with a spiritual leader that's anointed and appointed to teach us and he's more than just a full-time pastor. He's an all-time pastor. An all-time pastor. Time pastor. What does that mean? All the time. When you look at him, you look at him individually. He sees us individually and collectively. When you approach him, you don't know how many times he's already been approached. He works all week at the administration building. He visits the sick and prays. He preaches funerals and comforts. This is our pastor. So this is our time where we can share in the word and share lifting him up, building him up, incentivizing him. So how do we do it? If you have one of these, Pastor's appreciation envelopes, when they come out with the offering tables, there's going to be two baskets on either side. You can designate your offering and by putting it in one of those baskets. The center table is for your tithes and offering. If you don't have one of these envelopes, you can use your regular offering envelope. And there's a space on there called other. There's one called pastor which we give too. But if you want to designate as it's, so it'd be recorded for his appreciation, you just write it there and designate the amount. Give according to your heart. That's all he asks. And let's show him how much we love him, how much we appreciate him, and let's build him up so he can continue preaching more than just 29 years. We need him here. The Bay Area needs him here. So let's bless him. Thank you. God bless you. Well, all right, we're about to give well. Thank you. All right. Going to give well, and then after giving you all this, this lovely couple here, they're standing here, and they're looking great, too. Amen. Praise God. And, and as a couple, they, this, I'm going to say something about this, because they show a lot of love to the pastor. The, the husband here, he'll, he'll come up to me and say, you ready? You I hope that you have been blessed by the word that went forth today. And listen, without your support, 
we can't do what we're doing here. And so let me tell you a little bit about tithes and offering. And it's here in this scripture, Malachi 3, 8, and 9. And it says, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offering? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now let me take it a step further. And it says in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's what the word says. So we encourage you to continue giving to St. John. Now listen, there's various ways that you can give. One, you can give in person during our worship celebrations. Two, you can mail or drop off at the South Campus or our, our administration building. Three, you can give online. Now listen, you can find more information about where those locations are by visiting our website. Um, in the meantime, we thank you for joining us today. We hope that you were blessed and we hope that you will have a blessed week in the Lord.